It is that time of the year where we are doing the work with uh, Operation Christmas Child, and if you would be interested in doing that, uh, you can grab a, a box and a, and a brochure in the back on the way on the way out this morning. Some of our kids are already heading out to Kids Church, and parents who are taking them out, please um, meet uh, our kids team out there in the lobby. Uh, our goal this year is 150 boxes, 150 boxes to send out, and uh, we would love to see you all participate in that in the ways that you can. Uh, if you are unable to maybe shop and fill a box, there are other ways that you can support this work. You can give online uh, at the trinitynh.org website, or you can go directly through uh, Operation Christmas Child, which you'll just find at the Samaritan Purse uh, website. So those are ways that you can give, fill a box, you can get those on the back on the way out, or give online uh, either through our church website or directly to Samaritan's Purse. We're getting ready. To, uh, today we mark the start of uh, a, a short series, but an important one. Meaningful membership, belonging at Trinity. And those of you who have been here for a while, you know that a couple of years ago, this church family went through a transition, a change from Pastor Steve Murray, who retired after 23 years, and then, and then myself coming on board in the summer of 2019. We have a slight little hiccup with COVID in the midst of all this, but we've, had, uh, uh, we've sort of progressed along, and uh, as we are regathering, if you will, um, with an hour before here that was full of kids crying and adults singing songs, and that was just in the senior high group. Um, no. Sorry, I made that joke earlier, but I thought I'd bring it back. Um, it was nice to hear all of that, the hustle and bustle of things uh, feeling a little bit more normal. One of the things that we wanted to target is sort of a reworking, a retooling of what does it mean to have meaningful membership in the local church. And so for this week, next week, and, and in two weeks, we're going to cover essentially what our new membership process will be. So we wanted to take time to do it together as a church family so that going forward, all new people coming and, and calling Trinity home are calling home in the same way that we all sort of have shared in this short series. And for those of you who are longtime uh, attenders and call Trinity home who aren't members, my hope is that this series would move you into making that commitment this is my home church. This is the place that I belong to. I want meaningful membership together. So this week we're going to look at the message of the church. Next week we're going to look at the marks of the church. And in two weeks we're going to look at the mission of the church and how these shape our thoughts around what does it mean to have meaningful membership. Meaningful membership. Purposeful, intentional kind of membership. So let's start first with the message of the church. If you have a Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 7 through 13. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter. As, it's, it's an incredible letter. It's like the, the letter to Romans except abridged. <laughs> it, it covers this great, awesome, God is fantastically amazing in our salvation and then it talks about how that shapes and impacts our lives individually as families and as the church in this world. 
It's a rich and incredible letter. I'm sure many of the passages are ticked up, marked up, highlighted in your Bible. We're going to be looking at one that really speaks to what God is doing in and through the church and why this is so meaningful. And at the heart of that meaningful connectedness and committedness of the church is this remarkable message. So let's read verses 7 through 13. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that... Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he realized, he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you. For you, which is your glory. God, as we consider this your word, we certainly pray that you be with us during this time, that you would encourage our hearts with the sweet and strong sufficiency of the gospel, that our hearts would be greatly encouraged in Christ and greatly encouraged together. God, would this be a, a, a time spent in your word that would bring you glory and strength to our hearts. We ask that you'd be with us the preaching, the hearing, the receiving, the believing, the trusting, this your word, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I love going to the movies. Uh, I've always loved going to the movies. I love everything about going to the movies. The hustle and bustle of a crowded theater, I love that. I love the smell of buttery popcorn when you walk into the doors. I love the sound and sensation of your shoes sticking to the floor and and sort of like coming off like Velcro. I love that. I love finding the chair that doesn't work. I love everything about going to the movie theater. To, 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 to feel the sense and, and, and joy that we all are excited to share. One of my favorite mem- memories of going to the theater was in 1989. I was 12 and my uncle took me and some of my cousins to go see the movie Batman. This was a very big deal. In fact, when we got to the theater, the line to get in wrapped around the building. And we were so excited and eager to see this film. And people were just as excited and eager to see it as they were all dressed in Batman-related costumes. And, and the reason, one of the reasons why I remember this so well is because some guy had a, a functional grappling gun. Like he, he had it and he was so excited to show everyone and he wanted to scale the side of the theater. They said no, but he could still bring the gra- grappling gun into the theater. The 80s were a very different time. When we saw sat down... And that score from Danny Elfman hit our ears. Before there was even a movie, we were already cheering. It's exciting. Eyes wide, hearts full, excitement about going to the theater. 
The theater is a multi-sensory experience that leaves an indelible mark on us, especially when the movie is great. I guess you could say it leaves an indelible mark even when it's not. John Calvin, a theologian who did a lot of the heavy lifting during the Reformation, once said that creation was the theater of God's glory. That as you beheld creation, you were seeing the glory of God on display. What a incredible word picture. The theater of God's glory. And if we were to take that metaphor and extend that out, we could go on to say that the church, the church is the theater of God's grace. If we look at creation and we see His glory, we look at the church, the mess of the church, the wide diversity of people that are even in this room right now, we see the theater of God's grace. Grace to rescue us. Grace to save us. Grace to change us. Grace to strengthen us. Grace to hold us. And keep us. And we look and we see each other's lives being lived out and God at work in them. It is just as eye-opening, heart-filling, joy-producing. More so than going to a busy movie theater. Meaningful membership is, is a church that is committed into sharing in that joy and that hope and that privilege of gathering together the theater of God's grace. It's just as jaw-dropping and eye-popping. And the message of the church is primarily important because the message of the church goes about shaping and fueling the priorities and purpose of the church. And so that's why we start here with the message of the church. And the message of the church is the gospel. The gospel. And what the gospel produces is the gospeled people. The message of the church reveals to us the gospel and the gospeled people. And so my hope is as we consider this together, the importance of this together, our passage together, that we would come away feeling all the more committed to the centrality of the gospel in the life of the church. That when we start thinking and exploring the idea of meaningful membership, we're starting first with the very thing that brings about our membership, that brings about the church, and that is the power of the gospel. Romans 1.16 says that the gospel is the power of God bringing salvation to all who believe. It brings about the church. And so we must Start here. Hold this ever so tightly and eagerly and earnestly with and for one another. That the message becomes central to us as a church. Central to what we delight in. Central to what we declare. Central to what we display. That our meaningful membership is wrapped up first with the message of the church. So let's consider again our passage. Let's break it down in a couple of parts as we work through how the message of the church reveals the gospel and the gospeled 
people and what God is actually doing through his gospeled people, that is the church. So first, the gospel. Look again at verses 7 through 9 of Ephesians 3. 7 through 9. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. At the heart of Paul's understanding and philosophy of ministry is the the declaring, displaying, the delighting in the gospel. The gospel was his fuel, his philosophy of ministry going into the context of missions and church planting and strengthening. It was central to all that Paul was doing. It was the very thing that he wanted to make clear and explicit and compelling to everyone's lives. To see how incredible it is, he says it's an unsearchable rich, richness of God to us. It shaped the way that he went about church and the shape of the church as they lived out their lives in their cities and communities and regions. So it's very important for us then on a very basic level to get the gospel clear in our heads. And so when Paul would proclaim the gospel, there were two sort of viewpoints that he would make clear. One was very specific in the sense of the actual articulation of what the gospel, the good news of the person and work of Jesus Christ is. And so just for a very easy way for us to remember, there are sort of four movements, if you will, in the proclamation, declaring, delighting, displaying of the gospel. There's God, man, Christ, response. God, man, Christ, response. That there is a sovereign and gracious God. Ephesians chapter 1 and 2. A sovereign and gracious God who saves sinners. Through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus. And that all who trust in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ will be saved. Friends, You cannot find the depth or the end, the width of how incredible incredible this is. That a sovereign and gracious God, God, saves sinners, us, the fall, fallen into sin, through the sacrifice of His Son, Christ. And that our response would be one of trust and faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, and that we'll be saved. That means the gospel is for those who are sinners. If you are a sinner, you qualify for hearing and receiving the gospel. And, it, and, and this good news spans all socioeconomic barriers, spans all racial and ethnic divides, and, and spans all the, the intricacies of fallen, broken humanity. This gospel goes forward People are saved. Incredible. This is lifeblood of the church. It is the centrality of the message of the church. It is, there's nothing more important than to be clear and compelling with this message. A sovereign and gracious God saves sinners through the sacrifice of His Son and all who trust in Him will be saved. 
Meaningful membership in a local church starts with the centrality of that message shaping everything that we look at. Years ago, it became very popular for women to wear those ginormous sunglasses. I don't know if it's necessarily as popular now, but there was a season where it just was outrageous. It felt like the lenses were just getting bigger and bigger, almost like you won them at a like carnival or something, right? So big that the lens would cover your face and the face of your neighbor on your left and right if you were a flying coach, you know, that kind of thing. But those big lenses, everybody's got that image in their head now, I hope. That, that, that lens, even when you looked through the periphery, you were still looking through the lens. Friends, meaningful membership labors together to keep the lens of the gospel right in place. That we see a big, glorious, incredible gospel that we look at life together with. We see how incredibly sovereign and gracious God is to bring about our salvation. Oh, how undeserving and unworthy we are to be saved, and yet God poured out his grace on us. That miserable sinners such as us could be saved, called God's own, rescued from the pit of our sin, and welcomed into the living room of God. What a profound joy. Oh, may that be our lens. And that lens leads us to see the unsearchable riches of Christ. Notice how he said it's the unsearchable riches. He, if you read Paul, he has 13 letters. He describes the gospel in such vivid and incredible ways. Here he, he says the unsearchable riches of Christ. So sweet, so sufficient is the gospel of Christ that it's unsearchably rich. But the content of this gospel is so overwhelming. Overwhelming in its worth and character. Overwhelming in its joy and hope. Overwhelming in its importance and power. The idea of this unsearchable riches, Paul's picking up on some themes from earlier in his letter. Looking, If you have a Bible open, you can look back at chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, or they'll be on the screen. He's praying, and he's praying that they would have their eyes uh, of their hearts enlightened, that they may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches? He's pleading and praying, inspired by the Spirit for the good of the church and the glory of Christ. He's praying that the local church would know the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints. What is the immeasurable greatness of God's power toward us who believe? That the experience of the local church is a growing experience of us seeing in measure the immeasurable greatness of God's power toward us through Christ. In increasing, life-changing, hope-producing, joy-fueling ways. Meaningful membership is rooted in the hope of knowing that God isn't miserly toward us but unfathomably, unfathomably rich toward us. That in the local church, the commitment that we share together in, in delighting and declaring and displaying the gospel would deconstruct the God is a miser belief thing that rattles around in our heads and our hearts. No, he's immeasurably rich to us in Christ. He has provided for us 
far more than we could ever dare to hope or dream or think in the person and work of Christ. Who did for us what we could never do. Who paid for what we could never pay. Who brings us to a place we could never go. And does that so surely, so sufficiently, that not one of his will ever not make to where he is bringing us. So rich, so full. The local church that's fighting for meaningful membership is laboring together to bask in the nature and scope of God's grace to us. And this reality is on display and proclaimed in the gospel. And this gospel is to shape the character and culture of our church. So the first step of meaningful membership is a a joyful commitment to delighting in and declaring and displaying the gospel. The church is broadly speaking, not Trinity specific. Sometimes I need to clarify when I'm saying broadly or specific when I say the word the church. Here, what I mean broadly If we, broadly, the church, are centralized around what we are against more than what we are for in the gospel, we will most likely produce a combative culture in the life of the church. If the main note of our church is against these things, then we will be taking on that posture with one another. But if the main note of the church is for the delighting and declaring and displaying of the gospel, that too will have a profound impact on the shaping of our church. Meaningful membership labors together first and foremost around the gospel. Now that gospel specific is around the person and work of Jesus Christ fulfilling for us our salvation And that gospel specific is in this picture, this grand picture of a, let's say, of the gospel on on sort of the huge cosmic scale. The, the, The gospel proclaimed is a part of an incredible unfolding of history and purpose of God. It is the story of God played out in the history. It's the story of God coming to fruition. Look again at verse 9. Paul's just explained how he's centralized around the gospel. And then he catapults out. or He he jumps out to like the 45,000 foot view. And he says it's to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Again, this is a callback to Ephesians 1, 9 through 10. Where it says... In this incredible grace of God, bringing about our salvation, he's making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. This is a huge cosmic eternal storyline that's being played out. So yes, the gospel is very much about the person and work of Christ who took on our humanity, lived the life that we could not live, died the death that we deserve, and defeated the enemy of sin, death, and Satan. Those are, that is the means of our salvation. And that salvation is in this great big story of God undoing all that sin has brought in Genesis 3. 
This undoing of it all. There's another sort of four-word way to help us understand how the gospel's in this big, huge story. It's creation, fall, redemption, restoration. This huge story that's being played out, that Christ is at the very center of. Not only is he at the center of your salvation, he's at the center of bringing about this huge, eternal, cosmic restoration. Creation, God in his purposes created to create that theater of his glory. And the center of creation is the special privilege and relationship of mankind with God as image bearers. And the privilege of, of, of being priests of the garden, if you will. Working for his glory and expanding his glory throughout the created world. But that was hijacked and upended and uprooted and destroyed by sin. Sin enters in in the fall. And wrecks not just then, but all things that come after. All of us are wrecked with sin because of the fall in Genesis 3. God made a promise in Genesis 3, and that promise was like in a seed form. And it, took, it, it grew over the course of, of the pages of Scripture and history, bringing forth the fruit of the person and work of Christ. At the right time, Christ came to, to bring about our redemption. And that redemption... Is, is sort of step, step one in, in, in the ultimate restoration of all things. What does Christ say in Revelation? I am making all things new. There will be no more hint or shadow or stain of sin when Christ returns. All things will be made new. The undoing of what was broken in Genesis 3 will be in full measure at Christ's return. This story is playing out. And guess what? The gospel brings us to our, our, our Savior, Jesus, and it shows us this great, big, glorious God is at work accomplishing something amazing. And it helps us see that God is not reactionary or flummoxed. He is purposeful. He is sovereign. He is gracious. He is powerful. And He is bringing about His plan to redeem and restore so I ask, how might knowing this big picture story inform and fuel our life together as a church? How might it shape how meaningful membership is when we think that we're not just saved by Christ, but we see that salvation in this big, incredible story unfolding in history, that we belong to it, that we are a part of God's big story? Well, I'm part of that meaningful aspect of being committed together in the local church, knowing this big story, is that it counters a couple of things that we all face all the time. It counters our anxieties, and it counters our apathy. When we see the big story of the Bible, when we see the person and work of Christ central to our salvation and the big unfolding of God's purposes... It counters our anxieties. It makes us see together God is in control. He is accomplishing something far grander than we could ever dare to dream. And we get to be in the theater watching it unfold. Every salvation we celebrate, every baptism we celebrate, every new member that comes a part of our church and we celebrate every time someone is 
fighting sin and laboring to know Christ. We are seeing that story unfolding. We're in the theater for that. So our anxieties, when we look at the world, that's harsh. Or when we look at the things that are heavy in our hearts, we have a huge, giant, compelling story that the gospel launches us to see. And then, also, when we feel worn down, and in that worn down reality, we start to feel apathetic about the things of God, the meaningful membership of the local church says, look how great God is! Look how sufficient Jesus is! We need this together! Because we know anxiety and apathy are right there at the door, crouching to devour us. Meaningful membership centered around this message this glorious message of the gospel works in our hearts, works in the life and culture of our church. Help us see, even in the midst of anxiety and apathy, there is a great God who has done a great thing through a great Savior. And this is real and it's compelling. It is relevant to our lives right now, even if Our lives are hard, even if there are lots of anxieties, even if it's a struggle to fight apathy. It is all relevant to us now. So we work and labor together to know well and articulate well and share well and sing well and pray well. God, man, Christ responds. And we work together to to know well and, and to sing well and to pray well and to share well creation Redemption, restoration. We are not aimless. On a sea that is sometimes stormy, we have a God. He is in control. And meaningful membership labors together to trust Him and rejoice in Him. And that gospel brings about a gospeled people. A gospeled people. Let's look again at verse 10 through 13. I just soaked up all of my time. On the gospel, um, which is a good place to soak up all of the time. But we also need to see the gospeled people. The gospel produces something. It's a gospeled people. And this is amazing to see what God is doing through the church. Verses 10 through 13. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Whoa. Whoa, before reading the rest, Trinity Baptist Church in Nashua, New Hampshire, circa 2021. God is revealing to the highest heavens through you his manifold wisdom. Whoa. All right, let's keep going. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Eternal purpose. Wow. In whom we now have boldness and confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you to not lose heart. Staggering. Staggering. Again, the the church is the theater of God's grace. The church reveals the manifold wisdom of God. Manifold means variegated, many-sided, multicolored, or layered. It means intricate, 
It usually refers to an intricate and beautiful embroidered cloak or an elaborate bouquet of flowers. The church is intricately, artfully, skillfully, beautifully made. And who is the one making it but God? Your life, whatever you might think of yourself. And, and the reality is everything and in, in, in our social scientists say, like right now, in light of the last two years of COVID, we all feel relatively miserable. And if we're honest with us, we probably all feel that way right now. We feel worn down. We feel tired. We feel stressed. We feel anxious. We may just feel bleh. And that might sink in and, and, and we might feel like God feels that way about us. What God is doing in our lives and the church is incredible skill and art and beauty because through the church, God wants to show off his grace. Showing your rescued lives off in the heavenlies. On display. For all to see. This manifold wisdom refers to what God is doing and revealing through the church. And it becomes incredibly relevant. It's relevant in Ephesians. In chapter 2, you find that in Ephesians chapter 2, God, Paul is showing how the gospel breaks down the hostile walls between Jews and Gentiles. And those walls were incredibly hostile. They were racial. They were ethnic. They were religious. They were all cultural. They were, every, they were economical. They were every possible layer. They were hostile. And the gospel broke that down and made a new people. And so it is relevant for our lives right now. We do see divisions. But it also means it's relevant in the way that this. It, it counters our consumeristic and individualistic tendencies. We live in a society, a culture that's rhythm and waves and water are very consumeristic and very individualistic. And this, what God is doing through the gospeled people, it actually runs counter. We are truly countercultural to the consumeristic, individualistic thinking that we are all inundated with each and every day. That we belong to something that is multi-layered, multi-colored, multi-beautiful and skillfully and intricately made. We belong to that. And that all of our lives, all intertwined together in the local church and in the church at large and broadly, is this beautiful display of God's glorious grace. And he reveals it all before the authorities and rulers in the heavenly places. He shows off the church in the highest possible places. Now, rulers and heavenly beings could certainly be those who are rejoicing in what God is doing. In 1 Peter, we see that angels long to look into this whole gospel thing. It's mesmerizing to them. I don't fully understand how, but it is. It could also mean to those 
And those heavenly are those spiritual places that oppose God. He's still showing off what God is doing to those who are actively against him. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I don't know exactly the scope and nature of that. I just know that's a kind of a big deal. And God is showing off how awesome he is to those enemies by saying, here's my church, weak, wobbly, wounded, and messy, and all get out, bunch of sinners. Yeah, but guess what? They're saved by grace, and you can't touch them. Incredible. The manifold wisdom of God on display. The gospel brings about a gospeled people. And so when we belong at a church, we belong to something more than a club. It's more than a social society of this or that. We belong to something that is skillfully, artfully, beautifully, powerfully, graciously made. And it shows off God's grace all the way to the heavenly. That's where meaningful membership starts. That's what looking at belonging to the local church means. It starts there, first and foremost, with the message of the gospel. And so it is then to be committed to that gospel, not only in what we believe, but also how we live out as the church. There are four things I want to just say real quickly about how this is meaningful to us in the local church. One, it brings about unity in our diversity. The gospel brings about unity in our diversity. It doesn't wash out our diversity. It actually brings about unity in our diversity. How amazing is that? And if, if there was ever a moment in our society, our Western American culture society, for the church to be so incredibly bright, it would be right now. We are polarized and divided over anything and everything. And we are, we are in, in, in the nature in which information transfers is so much faster now because of technology, internet, smartphone, social media, etc. Like, it just has always got the kerosene onto the fire. If there was ever a moment now, like, yeah, the church should be shining brightly, is that because of the gospel, we can experience real, true, meaningful unity in the midst of our diversity. Secondly, and these are things that we can explore further along the way. Secondly, committed to this gospel in the life of the church brings joy in our commitment. Joy in our commitment. That we are committed to sharing and living and serving together. It was, uh, it was so great to see the people serving in a variety of ways throughout the building today. So we launched our fall ministries. It's great to, to see that happening in the course of the week. It's great to see people being intentional in each other's lives and to hear about those things. That's awesome. And it's also the reality is we will always need that. It never goes away. There will always be needs to care and serve and lead and share. And sometimes that gets exhausting and tiring and wearying. And so when we are a people that are committed to this message of the church being the gospel, when we are routinely rehearsing and rejoicing in this together, 
That is our place of joy. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. The joy of the Lord is our strength. When we are laboring together in that, we can have joy in the commitment, even as the commitment can be wearying at times. Thirdly, we find that this committed to the gospel in the life of the church brings hope in the hard. Life is hard. And at times harsh. If we weren't centralized around the gospel and the sufficiency of Christ for our salvation and in the scope of that and the unfolding of God's purposes in history, we would be hopeless. Yet we are not ones without hope. We have it in full measure in Christ. And that can inform and shape and strengthen us even as we individually or as families or even as a church experience hard things. And then fourthly, committed to the gospel and the life of the church means we can have purpose in the mission. Purpose in the mission. The mission is to delight and declare and display the gospel so that others would come to know the glorious grace of God for them in Christ Jesus. And that they will, we would all collectively grow in knowing and, and declaring that truth to each other and others. That we would see more people saved and saved people strengthened. That we would see our church helping others do that same work near and far. The gospel gives us fuel to our purpose and the mission. Now, I say all that knowing full well that there isn't a single church on this planet that will perfectly put that on display. Not one. And I'm not juking responsibilities here for us. But I do want us to know that imperfect as the church may be, it is still through the church, the church committed to the gospel, that God is revealing his glory and grace to this world and beyond it. May Trinity be a theater, maybe not with the sticky floors, but be a theater of such glory and grace. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would indeed do that in our hearts, our lives, our church, that, that we would be first and foremost a people that are committed to this message, committed to the gospel, committed to holding up and holding out the wonderful delight of who you are and what you've done for us in Christ and how that is unfolding your purpose in history. That it would give us, indeed, it would give us great hope and joy in the midst of our lives now. That you would move our hearts to be all the more committed together in this. We would hold the line, if you will, of how worthy you are, how great you are, how sufficient you are for our lives, for our church. May that bring about a profound work and witness in Trinity Baptist Church here in Nashua, New Hampshire. We pray in Christ's name.
Our closing song this morning gives us a glimpse into the coronation of Jesus, alluding to these scriptures from the second chapter of Philippians and the first chapter of Hebrews. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And from Philippians, therefore God has exalted him And bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We who call Jesus King and Lord will not only gather one day with yonder sacred throng. Which is a phrase in this song. To fall at his feet. But even now we have the privilege of participating in heaven's ongoing coronation ceremony. Would you stand?